Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the last man standing with loserpool.com. On today's edition, we're going to dissect that win over Vitoria in the Europa League. We'll be talking Unai Emery and I'm joined by a very special guest. Hello, hello, good morning and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna. We are live and my guest today is none other than James Cook of AFC Game by Game. James, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a little while. How you been, mate? Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks, Harry. Thanks for having me on, mate. Uh, really enjoying, well, I'll say I'm really enjoying watching Arsenal, but I'm more looking forward to talking <laughs> about it today. Don't worry, mate. The pleasure is all as and I, I feel your pain having made that trip up to Sheffield the other night. It wasn't pleasant. Um, there's lots and lots to discuss. The performance wasn't much better last night. In fact, it was probably as bad. But let's start off by talking about a positive because um, I think it is a real positive. Nicola Pepe finally arrived at the Emirates Stadium. Two fantastic free kicks. Um, me personally, I preferred the second one. Because I felt like the first one, whilst it was well-placed and everything, I think if that was our goalkeeper, I wouldn't be happy with him. But the second one I thought was sensational, right in the top corner, brilliant curl on the ball. Um, how pleased are you to see that Nicola Pepe has finally made an impact? Oh, mate, I, I was absolutely delighted yesterday to see him get um, both of those goals. For me, both both free kicks were as good as each other. They were both absolutely world-class. And for him to to score that in a game like this where we were we were trailing and for his individual brilliance to to make us win the game says a lot about his character. I think he really hasn't been a player that, that's hidden like other players have done in the past. He's really stepped up to the mark. And I thought it was very good against Sheffield United. was extremely unfortunate to be substituted in that game. And I actually thought it was probably a bit of a mistake not to play him yesterday because he was in such good form at the time and if he'd have started the game this could have been you know a bit more of a smoother running fixture saying I don't think it would have been but still I think uh, he, he is a player that made a huge difference and that's exactly what he needed he's made a huge statement by um, by getting those two goals and I'm really looking forward to seeing him play against Palace on the weekend. Yeah me too and I know you know, he's not everybody's cup of tea, but Robin Van Persie was on BT Sport last night and he was talking uh, about the confidence boost that that will give Nicola Pepe and how important that is for a player. And, you know, people were starting to get on his back, me included. But for me, it wasn't necessarily a, a, an issue with the lack of goals or the lack of assists. For me, it was I just wanted to see more from his performances. I also acknowledge, though, that the way we've been playing of late, and the way we've been setting up has not probably been ideal for our attacking players in the sense of they're not getting as much service as they maybe should be. And, and you know, I've got lots of issues with the team at the moment, but let's focus on last night's game first. Uh, it ended Arsenal 3, Vittoria 2, as we mentioned, Nicola Pepe with two incredible free kicks late on. Uh, Gabriel Martinelli got himself on the score sheet again. Um, and again, you could probably question Vittoria's goalkeeper there. I don't know what he was doing in no man's land, but... This player is a real talent, isn't he? He's not afraid to, to get stuck in and he just looks so experienced. When you think about how very little football he's played, he really does, to me, look the real deal. And of all our young prospects at the moment, he's probably the most exciting to me. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, definitely. 100%. He's 18 years old, which is, in footballing terms is still incredibly, incredibly young. And he's come from 
not even the top division in Brazil. So he's coming from a very raw league, coming straight into the top flight of Premier League football at the top end of it as well. And he's making an impression every single game he plays in. He is tireless. He's dogged. He's a real exciting player and probably, as you say, the most exciting prospect that we've got at the club, apart from the likes of Bakayo Saka, Reese Nelson, loads of young players we've got. But he is the one that has really taken his chance this season. And what I love about him as well is that compared to a lot of forwards we, we've got, he actually scores quite a lot of headers um, and they're very good headers as well. He's a player that always gets in the box, makes himself available, is tireless in his work. And honestly, I think whilst we've got this left wing position kind of vacant, um, I'm not sure if Lacazette will play the full 90 minutes on Sunday. And I honestly, I'm not too sure he will start that game. I do think we have an opportunity for someone like Saka, Nelson, Martinelli, who I think should get a start on Sunday, given his performances. That left wing is, is open to those younger players. And he's certainly someone that I think should be tried and tested for at least 60 minutes in the Premier League. And I think Sunday is the perfect opportunity to do that. You know exactly what you're going to get with him. A tireless performance, a great work ethic and, you know, maybe a goal or two. Absolutely. When you look at Vittoria's uh, couple of goals, the first one uh, from Edwards, um, that was poor defending from a number of players, including Tierney and Holding. Uh, Tierney got caught the wrong side. I thought Holding committed himself a little bit um, too early. But, I mean... It goes to show that, you know, despite the fact that, you know, we've missed these players and of course we're glad they're back. Arsenal's defensive issues run a lot deeper than just individuals, don't they? It feels like when we lose the ball and you saw it with the second goal as well, when Maitland-Niles got caught in position and we'll come on to him in a few moments. But it just feels like when Arsenal lose the ball, we are way too slow to get back into shape in the transition. And that is a real problem. And Unai Emery needs to find a way of, of dealing with that, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, the way we defend as a unit is just just absolutely appalling. You saw it on that that second goal. Um, granted, Maitland-Niles gave the ball away, but the amount of space they had to run into, it was ludicrous. Um, and it's it's got to be something to do with the way the team is being drilled, being coached, because we are just so easy to cut through. And the way we just fall back and no one seems to actually want to go and attack the ball. Um, I'm sure you've seen that video of Emery with David Luiz where he's kind of telling him to use his hands to push players off him. I mean, I don't know if, if that's part of the problem as well, the way these players are being uh, told what to do. But it is deeply concerning because you look at um, the likes of Rob Holding, is a player that I don't think he's the solution to our defensive problems, but you look at our other sets of halves and he's probably the most exciting one we've got there, aside from probably Callum Chambers as well, um, which says an awful lot about our defence and the way it is at the minute. But I do think those are our two hottest prospects at the club. Still only 24 years old, which in terms of a defender, they've still got their whole careers ahead of them. But those players, they need to be coached in the right way if we're going to get the best out of them. And I just worry that they're not being given the, the right training to perform well at this club. Yeah, I agree with you. It is a, a real, real concern. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, we touched on him a second ago. Now, for me, he has been banging on about wanting to play further forward. Feels that he can offer more um, in an attacking sense. And, you know, we know he's not naturally a defender. I think that was something that maybe people were missing when they were throwing so much criticism at him earlier on in the season. For me, though, he's had two opportunities further forward against standard Liège in the Europa League at the Emirates and against Vittoria last night. Now, these are two games Arsenal should be winning, two games that you'd expect him to, to make a, a claim for that position. And for me, his casual attitude, his, um, you know, his lacklustre performances have seen him just watch that opportunity pass him by. And I can't see now how he can 
go back in into the, the, the tunnel and knock on Unai Emery's door and say, I want to play further forward because he's, and I know it's only two games. It's a very small sample size, but in modern football, the way the game is now, you have to take those opportunities like Gabriel Martinelli is, like Bukayo Saka has. And, and he's just not done that for me. I've got a real issue with Maitland-Niles' attitude. I feel like people get onto Ozil and other players about their body language. His body language is as bad as those players, in my opinion. He looks casual. He doesn't look interested. Where do we go from now, With from here, sorry, with Ainsley Maitland-Niles? Because he can't continue at right-back for me. Chambers has come in and done a better job. And he's shown that he's not really got enough to play further forward. Is it time to look at maybe loaning him out, moving him on at the first opportunity? It's a tough one. I, I honestly think Maitland-Niles is walking a very, very thin tightrope at the minute. I hate to say that because I love seeing young English players come through. When he broke onto the scene, I was really excited by him. When he had that loan at Ipswich, I was really, really excited for the type of player that we had in our hands. But if I'm being honest with you, I don't know what type of player he is. Is he a winger? Is he a midfielder? Is he a right back? I think from his time at right back, he's evidence that he's not a right back. I think his best football was actually in that right wing back position where there's not so much reliance on him defensively. But again, just doesn't really offer enough going forward. He whips in the occasional good cross, as we saw on Yoke Day against Newcastle. But apart from that, as you say, his body language is, is very, very languid. And if he was a certain German playmaker, I mean, we would be criticising him an awful, awful lot. So it is a cause for concern. And I do hate to see English players... Um, not perform to a level that I think they can do because I do think he's got an awful lot to offer. You look at his his physicality, the pace he possesses. I do think he's a player that has all the potential there to be a very good player, but he's not taking his chances when they're presented with him. And honestly, if there was an offer in the summer or even in January for 20 to 25 million, I think we've got to be considering that. Um, I mean, he's 21 years of age now and we still don't know his best position and the, the clock really is ticking for him. And what what is he offering to his Arsenal team? That, that's what I've really got a question. We've had Chambers come in at right back now. Granted, I don't think he's the answer as a deputy right back, but we've got Bellerin coming back to full fitness. He's fallen down the pecking order there. I don't think he wants to play right back. We don't want to see him at right back. That's not an option. At right wing, I don't want to see him there, to be honest. He doesn't offer enough there. And the player in front of him is Nicola Pepe. And we're blessed with wingers now, really. We've got Martinelli. We've got Saka. We've got Nelson. So I can't see him getting in there too soon. And honestly, do I have enough faith in him to play in central midfield after what he did yesterday? No, I don't. So I think he's in a very precarious situation. Unless he starts putting in performances, then I think his time at Arsenal could could be running near. Yeah, absolutely. What, what do you make of Joe Willock, James? Because he obviously got the nod uh, up at Bramwell Lane on Monday night. And, you know, for the most part, his performances this season have been pretty good, I have to say. Um, but on Monday night, he was poor, very, very poor. Um, his performance kind of sparked that Mesut Ozil debate again, um, which I'll come on to in a bit because I haven't actually heard your thoughts on that. But, you know, Joe Willock was poor on Monday. He was uh, substituted at halftime. He was poor again last night and substituted again at halftime. Are we starting to see some cracks in Joe Willock? Are we starting to maybe realise that a few good performances is great, but at this level, you need to perform consistently. And with these youngsters, we may not be getting that regularly enough. I do feel a bit sorry for all of our midfielders, to be honest, because none of them really seem to know exactly where they're playing. We're seeing Torreira played as a high pressure of the ball. Um, 
Joe Willock is a player that probably needs to play a little bit deeper and make those runs in that Aaron Ramsey sort of fashion. Um, and I just don't think these players are being utilised necessarily in the right way. One week they're playing a bit higher up, another week they're playing a little bit deeper and there's no structure, there's no real integrity to that midfield. And it is difficult for those midfield men. Um, and I think Willock is certainly a player that's suffering because of that, because he's changing so often within that midfield. I love Joe Willock. Uh, I think he's an exceptional footballer. Some of the, the games he's played this season, especially away from home against Liverpool, that one really sticks in my mind. He's shown exactly what he's capable of. And not just this season, but last season, whenever he had an opportunity, took it, scored a couple of goals. He's definitely a player that I think has got so much to offer this Arsenal team. But let's not forget as well, he's just turned 20 years old. And I think that's the case for a lot of our midfielders at the minute. People forget how young someone like Winduzi is as well. He's only 20. Danny Sabas is only 23. I mean, these players are still at the the, the real early stages of their career. So there's, there is an over-reliance. And I think people forget because they're so young, they are going to have performances that aren't necessarily going to be at the highest level week in, week out. They need to make these mistakes to make them a better footballer. So I think... Whilst we can be disappointed with Joe Willock's performance, let's not forget who's putting him out there, who's changing the, the system week in, week out. I don't think it's entirely down to him, but as you, as, as you say, I was disappointed in his performance yesterday and I was very, very disappointed in it on Monday. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, James, where are you sitting on the whole Mesut Ozil thing? I've made my feelings clear on this podcast. I, I acknowledge that he's not always performed to the level that he should, but when I watch... Willock's performance last night, Willock's performance on Monday night, and I look at the performances of certain others, I cannot justify him not at least being in that 18-man squad. I mean, he couldn't have played any worse than Willock or Maitland-Niles last night, could he? No, it's it's absolutely mental, to be honest. Um, he's our only number 10. That, that's the thing. Danny Sabayas isn't a number 10. He's someone that plays in that sort of Santa Cazorla role a bit deeper alongside someone like a Torreira, perhaps. And he's not the answer as a number 10. Joe Willock isn't a number 10. Torreira isn't a number 10. We haven't got a number 10 apart from Mesut Ozil. And with the attacking talent we've got, I just think it's so ironic that we've got Pepe, Aubameyang, Lacazette, Bakayo Saka coming through. We've got all these creative, fast-paced players. It's probably the most potent attack we've ever had during Mesut Ozil's six-year stint at the club. And yet we're not playing one of the most creative players, arguably, in Europe. Now, I'm, I'm completely aware that some of his performances last season were well below par. There were some away games in particular where he just wasn't up to the mark. That Europa League final where he didn't play well and was substituted for Joe Willock. You know, you can't you can't gloss over the fact that he he does put in some really dire performances at times. But he is a player that has got that killer instinct, that eye for a pass, can open up games. And you look at that game against Sheffield United in particular where we had so many, so much possession, created nothing sideways, backwards, lacking in creativity, lacking in ideas. You can't help but think he could have played at least one pass that could have changed the dynamic of that game. So I do think it's crazy. And I do think um, I'm not entirely sure this is down entirely to Unai Emery. I think it was James Benj tweeted out yesterday that there are people above Emery, the likes of Rasnelli, Idu, that are contributing to Ozil's omission and they do want to see him exiled so that we can get rid of him from, from the club. But I do find that that pretty insane as well when you think that Ozil has already played games this season. Emery's named him as one of the five captains, played in a big Premier League game away from home at Watford, arguably performed quite well in that game. So, so many questions to, to, to ask around this. And I think as match-going fans, fans that pay out of their pocket to go to games, and considering he's one of our longest-serving players and a fan favourite amongst many supporters... We, we do deserve to know exactly what's going on. If the club come out and say that the plan is to, to move him on, 
we don't see him as a part of the future of the club. I think that would upset many people, but at least we'd have some clarity on the situation. Yeah. Whereas right now, we don't know what's going on. We're all incredibly confused as supporters, and it, it, it is it just doesn't seem seem quite right with me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I thought, for what it's worth, you mentioned Mustafi. I thought he'd done all right last night. I thought he was one of the better players in a, a relatively poor display. Um, seeing Lucas Torreira deployed in these crazy roles. And, you know, on the one hand, I think surely Unai Emery is not instructing him to get that far forward that regularly. But on the other hand, I think that, you know, he'd be pulled up on it if that wasn't what he was being asked to do. So what is going on there? Do you think it's manager instruction? Do you think Torreira's taking it upon himself to do that? And maybe that's why he's not getting in the Premier League team. I don't know. What's your take on that? I think... I think he's got to be being asked to play as someone that wins the ball high up the pitch, which can work well, but that's not Torreira's natural game. When we brought him in from Sampdoria, as you rightly say, he was playing at the base of a, a midfield diamond and was that sweeper in front of the back four and did an excellent job and was regarded as one of Europe's hottest prospects. We were fortunate enough to get him. Took him a while to bed in, but when he did get the ball rolling, he won something like three man of the matches in a row. He was exceptional for us, especially in that game at home to Tottenham last year, probably one of his standout performances. I think he's an excellent, excellent defensive midfielder and he should be allowed to do that job that he's naturally good at. And last night, when I saw him almost in a front two, it's just bewildering. I don't know what's going on with this guy. I think this is more mystifying than the Mesut Ozil thing um, because he is, in my opinion, one of the best defensive midfielders in the Premier League. And I'm not, I don't feel like I'm exaggerating when I'm saying that. When I saw his performances playing there last season, especially alongside Granit Jacker as well, I thought those two actually performed very well in a midfield too. Um, I, I'm, I'm amazed by by the way he's being emitted from the Premier League team and the way we are utilising him when he does play. He's a player that has so much ability. And whenever he does play for Uruguay, he's always playing in that defensive midfield role. And I don't know if you've seen um, what Uruguay supporters, fans have to say about him on Twitter, but they always rave about his performances. So I find it absolutely bewildering. It's baffling that he doesn't seem to play in the Premier League. He's got so much to offer this Arsenal team. And I, I don't know, Harry. I really don't know what, what, what Emery sees in him playing that high up the pitch because he offers very very little there yeah he's not he's not exactly creative he's not going to score you uh, a significant amount of goals i completely agree it's one that i can't quite get my head around at the moment um james i'm going to come on to some of the questions from some of our listeners we put a tweet out last night uh, at the end of the game uh, saying that we'll be doing this podcast and we've had quite a few questions come through so i'm going to put a few of those uh, to you before we wrap up um, Richard Wright says, do you feel the players down tools today? Surely we cannot continue like this and it would be wise to let Emery go. He's clearly not the right person. We have enough time to salvage the season. So Richard believes that it's time to let Unai Emery go. Where do you stand on that? Are you uh, all for making a change at this period in the season or would you leave it till the end of the current campaign at least? No, I mean, I'm entirely Emery out. Um I've I've never really been someone that's so adamant about getting a manager out. Even towards the end of Arsene Wenger's campaign, I was still quite, you know, because it, it pulls on your heartstrings a little bit, especially with someone like Wenger, where you have that personal affiliation with him. I don't have that with Emery at all. I've got no affiliation with the guy. And the sooner he leaves, I think it's just going to be the better for Arsenal Football Club. Um, I do hate to say that. I do want to be respectful and give him the the season, but I just don't see any improvement in this Arsenal team. And to, for him to come out and say we're more competitive, to sort of knock Arsene Wenger's legacy a little bit, to come out last night and say we deserve to win, 
No. It's just absolutely crazy that he's coming out and saying these things. He he does seem to be losing the plot a little bit. He does seem to be a massive, massive egotist. And it does concern me that we are seeing the same problems. The defence is worse than it was under Arsene Wenger, which is which is terrifying, to be honest. Going forward, we're, we're even less creative than we were under Arsene Wenger. Um, and this isn't me you know, calling for Arsene Wenger back. I think that's the last thing we want. But I think he's not the right guy. Um and I'm not encouraged by the style of football we're playing. And we will not get top four with him in charge. And I think we're better off. Pos- I don't know if taking a punt or something like Freddie Lundberg is the right way to go. I mean, I'm not the, thankfully not the one that has to make these decisions. But the longer we persist with Emery, the more we're going to accept mediocrity and accept these level of performances. Last night, the most concerning thing for me is these are players that want to stake a claim in the team, that want to get into the Premier League side. And apart from Martinelli, I saw very little from some of these players to suggest that they're pushing for a place in the Premier League. So I think there's a there's a deep underlying problem here. These players do look increasingly unmotivated as each game goes by. And that game against Palace on Sunday is monumental for Unai Emery's Arsenal future career. But for me, he's not the guy. The football isn't good. The results aren't good. Uh, I wanted to give him this season and I was giving him a clean slate at the start of the, the, the campaign. But, you know, the exact same problems have come in and they're coming in a lot quicker than they did last season. I just think it's it's not wise to stick with someone that's not producing the performances and the results. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I was asking questions about Unai Emery probably halfway through last season. Um, I know I keep saying it, but for me, there was no vision. There was no uh, you know, forward plan. There was no method to what we were doing. It was like every week it was a different setup up a different team and it was just a mess and I dread to think where we would have finished had it not been for Aubameyang and Lacazette who by the way and this is not uh, Emery's fault because they were there already and you know I'm not saying he shouldn't use them and shouldn't embrace them but Aubameyang and Lacazette were at the club before Unai Emery so to to if you're saying that they're the ones that are dragging us through then you can't really be giving Unai Emery the credit for that um, because in my opinion, he's probably misused the pair as well. And he's still got goals out of them, which is a testament to how good those two have been. Uh, this question was uh, put to me. It was from Jerome Marks. He says, Harry, do you think that us as fans have just, just have to accept that under Emery, we'll either play poorly and win, play poorly and draw, or play poorly and lose? Um, no, Jerome, I, I don't think that we should be accepting that. We are Arsenal Football Club, and I know... Some people that don't support Arsenal would say I'm being a snob, but I expect a certain level. I expect a certain standard, a certain style of football. And that has been embedded into this club by Arsene Wenger, love him or hate him. People talk about Arsenal's identity prior to Arsene Wenger and they talk about the George Graham days. Mate, for me, that's God knows how many years ago. I wasn't even... like I, I started supporting Arsenal properly when I was five or six years old. So I'd say 95, 96 for me, Wenger is pretty much all I've ever known. So the identity of the club, as far as I'm concerned, is to be an exciting attacking team who play the best football possible. Now, if you're going to sacrifice your style, you better fucking be getting the results. If you're not getting the results and you're sacrificing the style, then for me, you're not the right man. Um, <laughs> this one, I'm going to put it to you, James. I think this one was made in jest, but it made me laugh. How on earth did Emery win three Europa Leagues with Sevilla? That one's from Tom. <laughs> I, I can't answer that one. I really can't <laughs> answer that one. I mean, we saw last season, uh, he got us to the Europa League final and we had those fantastic wins against Napoli, home and away. We had the great win against Valencia. But you look at our away performances in the league and I just struggle to see us winning 
any away game at a minute. So it is quite mystifying as to how he did win three Europa Leagues with Sevilla. But it's, 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 it's a big achievement from his point of view. But you look at the league campaigns he had whilst with Sevilla when he won those Europa Leagues. Whew, that's um, that's a cause for concern. So, yeah, uh, fair play to winning him. But it's, I think it, it does massively gloss over what he did in the league campaigns when he was with, with Sevilla. Yeah, absolutely. His, his league performances were poor. I just want to address a couple of the comments coming through in the live chat at the moment. Um, this one is from Pratik Palmer. He says, identity thing is bullshit. Alex Ferguson conquered world football with no identity. But yes, then the man has got to get results. So agreeing with me partly, but disagreeing with me on the identity thing. Now, Pratik, what I would say is there is no doubt in my mind that Alex Ferguson's teams had an identity. Now, they may have adapted in certain games, particularly towards the end of his time there, where, um, you know, they play that five-man midfield and play, um, oh, what was his name, Park uh, in, in the hole because he'd give them extra work and stuff. But generally, Man United's philosophy was attacking football, using the wide men uh, to the maximum of their ability. And that was Fergie's way. So to say they don't have an identity, I, I personally think is wrong. Of course, you're entitled to your view. And I thank you for tuning in, of course. But it's just my opinion. I think that Fergie did have an identity. I thought that what he did well was adapt it in certain games. And I've got no issue with Unai Emery going to Anfield, going to Old Trafford, going to Spurs, going to... Uh, you know, Chelsea and, and slightly changing the way we play. What I've got an issue with is going to places like Bramall Lane and being shit scared of them. It, it, bringing Bournemouth to the Emirates Stadium, going 1-0 up and being shit scared of them. That's the things I've got an issue with. James, uh, what are your thoughts on this whole identity thing? Is it as big a deal to you as it is to me? Yeah, definitely. Um, because I don't see any structure, any system, any any sort of philosophy that Emery is trying to install at the club. I saw it when he initially came in, and I remember we played this really high-pressing game, similarly to the way Liverpool play most of the time, winning the ball high up the pitch, players working relentlessly hard, and that that did fill me with positivity. I remember we'd, we'd bring on the likes of Iwobi in the last 20 minutes of the game, and he would run into the grounds to try and work the ball and get it high up the pitch. That was exciting, but that drifted away very, 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 very quickly. So... I, I do think identity is a big thing for me. And uh, we did have it when, uh, when when Wenger was really, really pulling the strings. We did have a very good way of playing football. Um, I see Arsenal as a progressive, exciting, fast-paced team that will dominate games. We're not that at the minute. And I think a lot of supporters buy into this club because of the way Arsenal play. And to kind of rip that out, that, that, that that's really painful for supporters to, to see us play in a way that's, that's not exciting, that's not pragmatic, that is very tough viewing that's not enjoyable to watch so the reason we fall in love with football is because of the way it's played right i mean i'm not gonna i don't want to watch i don't want to watch this for the rest of the season it's garbage like let's let's have it right it is awful awful football there's not been one good game in the premier league this season and we're very fortunate to be in a position we're in because if it wasn't for the likes of babby yang bailing us out then we would be in a far worse position our defense is rubbish the football we play is lacking in ideas, creativity. We have no idea what we're doing when we go into each of these games. We hope that we can get get a, get a goal through one of our star men for a bit of individual brilliance. Look at the game against Bournemouth. If it wasn't for that David Luiz header from a corner, then we're not winning that game. You know, it, it, there are massive causes for concern with a lack of identity. We need a way of playing. We we need, these players need to know how they want to play. And um, yeah, it, it's deeply concerning for me. And I, I think it's something that's got to be addressed as soon as possible.
agree and and for me you know there, there was a quote I, I can't remember who said it someone said it to me when we were talking a couple of weeks ago and it, it i keep repeating it because it really does make sense everybody talks about emery having plan b plan c you can't have plan, plan b and plan c if you don't have plan a and that's the fucking problem at the moment you know it's, it's just a complete mess apologies i'm i'm swearing today i must be in a terrible mood to be fair um, harry I, I i don't think he's got a plan b and c honestly i don't i think if you look at the game yesterday He's guessing. He is guessing. He takes off Willock. He takes off Maitland-Niles because they're not performing well. But I think they made a good point at half time that these players, they might want to come out in that second half. They should want to come out and prove the manager wrong. He's not necessarily utilising these players in the best way to start the games with. He's not necessarily making the right substitutions. He's panicking. He's re very, very, very reactionary. I don't think there is any idea. and I don't think he has got plan B and C. I just think he's got substitutions that can change games. And I don't, I, I honestly, I don't think he's got any sort of system philosophy that, that, that justifies him having plans. I, I don't see yeah. him as a manager that's got a, a plan. Yeah. Great points, mate. Great points. Um, Guys, we're going to wrap it up there. We're going to leave it there. Um, we've been going for around about half an hour. We'll be back tomorrow morning uh, with a look ahead to the Crystal Palace fixture. I want to say a massive thank you and hello to those of you watching us live at the moment and keeping that chat box uh, full of interesting comments. So a big hello to every single one of you. Apologies, I haven't come to many of your comments today, but we are running short of time. Uh, so a big thank you to all of you guys and to everybody watching this back or listening to this back on the audio please don't forget to like subscribe if you haven't already and please please do leave us a review on itunes my thanks to james james it's been an absolute pleasure having you on again let our listeners know how they can find you on twitter and uh, you've got a youtube channel of your own haven't you yeah, yeah, I'm trying to try to keep up my own YouTube channel. It's um, AFC Game by Game. If you want to look it up, I do reviews and the occasional preview of Arsenal matches. And if you want to follow me on Twitter for absolute nonsense, it's at uh, jecook96. I can assure you it's not nonsense. James makes some <laughs> great points uh, and that's why we have him on. Uh, so a big thank you to everybody once again. Don't forget that this podcast is sponsored by loserpool.com. We're going to leave you with a brief uh, uh, message from them as we lock off and uh, we'll be back very soon. So until then, take care.